Welcome to Ticking Stock with Kelly McMillan. If the name sounds like a business show to you, then you've got it all wrong. Kelly McMillan is the principal of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks and will talk about shooting for fun, competition, hunting, and self-defense. Now, here is your host, Kelly McMillan. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. I'm your host. Uh, really glad to have you with us today. It's going to be a, a great show. Looking forward to this weekend and the holidays. Christmas is just around the corner. Uh, I've got almost all my shopping done. I'm, I'm really excited. Hope everyone out there is having a great uh, holiday season and, and um, hope you guys enjoy our guest today. Got a, a good friend of mine, Tim Milkovich, which is here in the studio. We'll get to hear him in just a minute. But right now, I want to talk to uh, a friend of mine, um, happens to be a part of Team McMillan. Now, this is something new for us. I've, I've done a lot of sponsoring and sponsored other teams before, but it's the first time I've ever, ever put together a team specifically to represent McMillan. And uh, the first team that I'm going to introduce the guys from, and, and we'll do this uh, each show will introduce another one of the team members, but this is for the F-Class FTR team. And the first guy I'd like to introduce is the captain, Paul Phillips. Hi, Paul. Are you with us? Yes. Thanks for being on the show. Really glad to have you here. What I'd like you to do is to explain to our listeners uh, what Team McMillan is, uh, what you shoot, and uh, what your uh, part on the team is. Sure. Team McMillan is... Uh an FTR team, uh, F-Class FTR, meaning 308 or 223. Um, we've been, uh, we've got seven people on the team, and I'm the designated captain of the team. I actually started the team, uh, former Team Sinclair, back in 2004 when FTR began. Um, we have been in a role. We won 10 national championships, and we've uh, took on a couple new shooters in the last few years, but uh one unique feature of Team McMillan, we're all on the U.S. rifle team. Um, that's, I think we're the only team that can say that. Um, but we really strive to, to uh, for excellence, and also um, we do a lot of research and development, uh, and we really train hard and work together, and, and we're very serious. And um, we have a great time together, and, uh, you know, we've between all the members on the team, we've, we've racked up a lot of achievements uh, that we're proud to be affiliated with McMillan, um, that we've, we've been using McMillan stocks from day one. We've set a lot of records, um, too many to count, and we just believe in the best products in the world, uh, and they're, now that we're a team McMillan, we're just, we're just all just very happy and proud to be a part of the team, uh, McMillan. Well, that's good to hear, Paul. Why don't you share with our listeners, uh, a few of your accomplishments and, and what you specifically have done. Well, I started out shooting competitive rifle in the mid, early to mid nineties. Um, I quickly became a high master and won the uh, ninety six collegiate national championship and finished in the top twenty five in the in the uh, long range uh, matches. Um, and then I started getting involved in. F class in 2000, the early 2000s, 2004, uh, there was going to be the first inaugural uh, national championship, and I got Ray Gross, John Droy, and Brad Sully to go down there with me to, to, have, to have our first team, in which we won. Um, from that day forward, I've been on three world championship teams as a 
two as a shooter and one as an adjutant, winning the gold medal. Um, I've been a shooter on 11 national championship teams. Um, I've set over 40 national records, been on four gold medal America match teams. Um, I've also dabbed a little bit into the ELR community. I've been a shooter and spotter on two King of Two Mile championships and a national championship with the NRA. So things are things are uh, going right along. Well, needless to say, Team McMillan's got a great captain and going to have uh, an inspiration for the rest of the team members to to be able to compete with and and win with uh, you, Paul. Uh, talk about some of the other things that you do uh, as a non-Team McMillan guy. I know you're interested in ELR, and you've been very instrumental in, in doing that. Why don't you tell what it is that uh, you're doing right now coming up for the SHOT Show? Well, I, um, I, have, I have a lot of interest in kind of bringing the forces together, if you will, to create a new event, which is called Extreme Long Range. I shouldn't say I'm, I'm not creating I'm helping. Uh, having it become more popular, it's already growing really fast. But I'm, I have a lot of uh, inspiration in creating an organization, to have, setting standards, and um, we're going to have our first event, a world record-setting event at in Las Vegas. Um, it's going to be uh, held um, and put on by ELR Central, and we have 26 or 27 sponsors that came aboard that are big companies. Um, we just added six hour actually as our 28th sponsor, but, you know, we have McMillan and ELR headquarters and a whole list of big-name sponsors that are, that are very um, happy to be aboard with this, and we're going to try to establish a set of standards that everybody can comply with and hopefully have an organization soon to, uh, you know, have a proctor or a judge to have these events and have them be credible records, and uh, also we'll have matches that will occur um, there will be different formats and different courses of fire, but have the similar standards and and that we can all train and use, much like three gun PRS F class Palma. This is just a new extreme long range venue that I think will be very beneficial to the military, law enforcement, and long range hunters. Well, that's awesome, Paul. I really commend you for putting all the work in and and really trying hard to to get ELR to be a credible sport. I know we hear all the time about people that uh, set new world records by hitting a target, you know, at, at such a distance, but there isn't really any basis for any one of them to claim that uh, they've done anything by a particular format that allows other people to compete at the same uh, standard to be able to say, well, I've done that or I beat that. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the match in Las Vegas in January. I think it'll be uh, a go a long way to showing people what it needs to be to run a match that's going to be recognized. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to have all the sponsors, much like, you know, as yourself, to be aboard with this. And I think it's going to be a success. I think once people are there and they can see what's going on and feel the buzz and watch these these awesome um, long-range precision shooters, extreme long-range precision shooters, um, they put a lot of time and effort and money into these these rifles, and and uh, you know it's going to be exciting. And all the information that we that we learn from all this obviously will be uh, contributing to the military and law enforcement for our troops overseas. 
Well, once again, I, I really look forward to seeing you in January. Thanks for being part of Team McMillan, and thanks for being on the show today, Paul. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Kelly, and uh, I love the show. Thanks. I appreciate that, too. You know, it's really great having Paul on the show. He's been on a couple of times. Uh, our first guest, Tim Milkovich, has actually been on this show before, and uh, I'm anxious to, to just get a, a little bit of time with you to talk about what you're doing. Uh, most everybody will remember from the last time you were on, you're a local uh, law enforcement uh, here in town. You might remind them, you know, who you work for and what you do. Well, I work for uh, Maricopa County Sheriff's Office. I'm assigned to the training division. So I work at the range and I teach all the other deputies how to shoot. I maintain their firearms and I'm also um, attached to the uh, sniper section. Damn, that's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of envy out there, but I really appreciate the opportunities that they have given me. Awesome. Well, it uh, affords you a, a lot of opportunity to shoot and you've been a competitive shooter for a long time. I have. I've been shooting competitively since ooh, pretty close to 1986. When did you start shooting? Uh, I actually started shooting bullseye when I was on the Air Force team. That was, to me, a little bit boring, but it was, you know, it was shooting. And that's a pistol event? Pistol event, really slow fire, one-handed. Um, was really good with the twenty-two, not really good with the forty-five. But it was fun. And then, then what did you do? Uh, from there, I, I did a little bit of pistol silhouette shooting. Uh, I jumped into USPSA, and I shot that for a long time. I still shoot... Every now and then, I'll shoot a match or two of USPSA, but um, primarily, I'm shooting the PRS-type stuff for, I don't know, the last eight or ten years or so. So, let's talk about the PRS. There's There was a big push to organize it and to make a series that everybody knew where the matches were going to be, compete uh, on basically a, a level playing field and then at the end of the year have a, a finals for the top shooters. And yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of money involved, but I, I know that a lot of manufacturers are participating through sponsorship and donate. We, we have donated a product to every match uh, last year. And um, I don't know that we'll continue to do that, but we, we work real hard to try to, to get the name McMillan out there among all the shooters. So, what has that done for the shooters, the fact that they've, they've organized this and it's, it's become better run? Well, it's, it's really gotten a awareness out to people that you know, like to shoot rifle. And putting out the, the website and organizing everything gives everybody the opportunity to actually see whether there's a match in their local area or surroundings that they can actually go to. And then some folks that are fortunate enough to travel there's, you know, when there's a list of all the states that have matches, when they are, what the round count is, you know, what the entry fee is and so on and, and the dates so you can plan accordingly. So it's been a really good thing. Prior to the PRS, there really there was like four or five, six matches in the country total and probably 40 shooters. Now there's over 3,000 registered shooters on the PRS website. And uh, it's really a good information spot. And so the competition is pretty tough. It's very tough. There are, there are folks that, you know, even on their first or second year of doing this are coming in the top 100 in the country. There's really good shooters out there. and Some of them are just now seeing what the sport's all about. Yeah, I don't know that you could call them professional shooters, but you definitely have sponsored teams and team shooters that are sponsored by major manufacturers. Um, 
Regina shot for uh, Team Surgeon, is that right? Yes. Yeah. And so is, is that becoming a bigger deal? Uh, it's a it's a big deal for companies to get their product out there. You know, having sponsored shooters and they're using their product to show other folks who may not have had the avail- availability or the uh, um, the chance to see s- some of the product that's out there being used. Um, some parts of the country, there's there's favorite scope companies, there's favorite stock companies, and so on. So now, even with McMillan, I've been using your stocks in this sport. Um, gives you opportunity for folks to try out my my rifle, get behind it, see what the stock feels like. Same thing with the scopes and the triggers and every other piece of equipment that the sponsors have on their shooters. Is there any opportunity for a team match uh, or is this strictly individual? Well, this is an individual deal. They're talking about having a team match with two-man team type stuff and now even a four-man team. And there are also other venues out there um, out in the the New Mexico area, Competition Dynamics runs team matches where it's a two, three, or four-man team, and and they work as a team. And it's kind of a uh, it's a course that's got several miles of travel. Uh, you're walking two or three miles plus carrying all your gear, stopping at a certain spot, shooting targets, moving on to the next spot, and it's you know it's, it's a bit of a athletic event. And is that a PRS sanctioned event? That one, I don't believe it is. Um, but I think the PRS is starting to look at two-man or four-man team events. What I would like to suggest, and maybe you can you can suggest this, one of the things that I know as a, a manufacturer and a sponsor is we would like to compete against other manufacturers and other sponsors. And other than having just an individual shooting a McMillan stock winning the the finals, I would like to have, say, four-man teams that accumulate points individually to go towards the team uh, winner of that particular match. And that way, you know, Team Sig might be shooting against Team McMillan, which might be shooting against Team Surgeon, whoever it might be. So you've got not only, it doesn't eliminate those guys that aren't going to place in the top two or three, but every team member's score goes into the total team score, so they all still try to to get their team score as high as they can. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I think they, they do do something like that. They do have uh, on their website you can register as a team shooter. And so like Team McMillan and Team Surgeon, Team Loophole, Team US Optics, all the teams, whoever you shoot for, you register on that team. And then when you place in a match, they'll take everybody who's on that team and they calculate their scores and whatever. Okay. And, and so they do have that on our website. They have uh, different team stuff. But we don't really shoot a match as a team per se. It's still an individual match, but they do tally the team scores. Okay. So it wasn't my brilliant idea after all. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, but, yeah, you know, as a, a sponsor, we want to be able to kind of – take some ownership in these matches. I, I tell you what, I love going to a match that I'm sponsoring and just hanging out and watching and living vicariously through the shooters that are, you know, have my name on the back of their shirts. That's just, I, I had so much fun in the world championships up, up in Canada that I've decided I want to sponsor teams. As we talked about earlier this uh, show, I'm going to have a Team McMillan both in the FTR and in the uh, F-Class Open division. 
Um, we're thinking about putting together a PRS team. Uh, I'm not as well known in the PRS as I am in uh, the other, so it might take a little bit more work, and I may not be able to get that done by this season, but um, definitely like to be involved with the matches. Well, that's a great plan to have. I mean, I'd be happy to represent you. Oh, hey. Hey, we're going to have to do that. <laughs> um, actually, you've been shooting for McMillan for a while. So. I, I have. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you shoot an A5. And that's not not the most common McMillan stock being used in PRS. What it is, is it about the A5 that you like uh, over, say, the, the A35? Uh, the A5, I like the wider forend on the, uh, I guess we'll call it the beaver tail. But the forend grip's wider. It's flatter. Um, I like the uh, position of the of the pistol grip, I guess we'll call it, or where your hand is on the stock. It's not really a pistol grip like a chassis would have. And I definitely like the adjustability of the A5 on, this, on the rear stock where the cheek piece can move. Well, just so that you know, uh, our stocks have had pistol grips since 1973, long before there was ever a chassis stock. So chassis don't have the uh, the focus on just a pistol grip. I know when, when people talk about pistol grip, they talk about ARs and that's what they're thinking about. Right. But yeah, anything you hang on to is, is a, a pistol grip. Right. Um, so a lot of the guys shooting um, next to barricades because the side of the A35 is flat, that they felt like it gives them a better uh, position than the rounded portion of the A5, but you don't seem to have that issue? No, I mean, most of the time when we shoot on barricades or any other type of object, we normally put some type of a bag on top of it. So, you know, you got your um, wee bad fortune cookies or a small sand sock or something to put the gun on, and it stabilizes and it takes that hard surface of the barricade, kind of puts a cushion between it, between the barricade and the stock. And I, I use the Wee Bad Fortune cookie, and I can literally set my rifle up on the barricade. Now, you know, have the bolt open, or even if it's closed, you rarely have to really hang on to the gun. It just sits there. It kind of like sucks it in, and it's really stable. Well, in case uh, you guys out there haven't heard of Wee Bad, it's a company that that makes bags specifically for PRS shooting. And if you want to find out more about them, you can go to elrhq.com. Uh, happens to be one of the products that uh, the champions in PRS have recommended to us, and, and we're carrying on the store. Yes, and uh, we're really excited to do so. Um, they have a couple different bag models that we should be receiving shortly, so they're not quite up on the product page yet until I can get some pictures here in our beautiful studio. But, uh, yes, hopefully by uh, the new year you should see them. And if you didn't recognize his voice, that's uh, Zev the Wolf Nadler. He's been in the doghouse, so I don't let him talk too much. But uh, he's actually running ELRHQ. He'll be in charge of all that. You ever have any issues, you can send an email to him, and, and he'll uh, talk about uh, the products and everything that we've got involved with ELRHQ. And that's info at ELRHQ.com. I'm back to the doghouse. <laughs> So, you know, I don't know if you've heard about that, but we've uh, started an online store where our, our whole goal is to be a one-stop shop for champion vetted gear. And what we mean by that is we've asked you and, and Regina and, and some other PRS shooters, what is it that you use in PRS that makes you be a better shooter why do you believe in those products and should we carry these products on the store so that people know that, hey, 
the champion shooters are using these. I don't have to ask any more questions. These are this is what I want. So absolutely. So everything that you choose, it's because it's the best out there and works best for you. Absolutely. And we all go through the phase that no matter what shooting sport you're in, where you accumulate a box full of equipment that you thought was going to work. And then you finally figure out what actually works for you. And normally that box of equipment at home goes to, hey, new shooters, here you go, kind of paying it forward here. You can use this. And this is what I use and why I use it. I used to use this, but this works better. If you want this, you can have it. But I suggest you buy one of these. Well, that's cool. I mean, the new shooters need a place to go. And the one thing that we found out is that, that like you, almost no competitive shooters start in one uh, sport and continue their entire career shooting the same sport and nothing else. A lot of people like the crossover. And because we're kind of focusing on the long range end of it and how PRS comes into that, you have PRS matches that, that'll shoot out to 1,200 yards. Oh, yeah, easily. Um, most PR matches will have, depending on the range, of course, um, like at the finale just recently here in Oklahoma, the farthest target we had was uh, about 1,410 yards. But it's, it's not uncommon to go to a match, a sanctioned match somewhere, and have a target at a mile. Now, we won't have a ton of targets past 1,000 yards, because the majority of your points are between 200 yards and 800 yards, but there are shots that travel past 800 yards. Well, that's the point that, you know, some of the shots that travel out there, if you haven't had any experience shooting long range, you're just not going to do very well on those. So it seems like even in those sports that start out two to 800 yards, I don't know that when they first started PRS, there was any targets past 800 yards in the first couple of seasons, but it seems like the ranges are going farther and farther, and you're definitely handicapped if you don't do some long-range shooting. Absolutely. You can definitely have the right equipment, but if you don't have the wind-reading ability, you're going to have good elevation at your target, but you're going to be off left or right if you can't read the wind. You know, Tim, I got a question, a real quick one. Um, I'm looking at the different types of calibers that people are using in PRS, and you know I've seen everything from six millimeter all the way up to 308, seven millimeter, and 6.5 in the middle. Would you be able to give a percentage of what you see out there? You know, like there's 70% of the people using 6.5 or whatnot, um, so that our listeners can kind of get a feel for that. Well, it's going to be a little tough. I can give you a, a, an approximation. So the majority of the shooters are running a six or a six five caliber. You won't see a whole lot of two two three shooters or three oh eight shooters unless they're shooting in the tactical division. Um, so it's between six and six five, six five Creedmoor, a two sixty, some other form of a six five caliber. But as far as the six millimeters go, the six Dasher is real popular, and the six Creedmoor, and then the six XC. So if I had to say a percentage wise. Um, I'm going to guess probably 60 to 65% of the shooters are in the six millimeter range and the rest would be in the six, five, you know, minus a couple of the tactical guys, two, two, threes and three Oh eights. You know, I think that uh, is probably a hundred percent because it's easier to manage the recoil and the, the six millimeter six, five bullets are, are flat shooting and, and good BCs so that it really works in, in two different ways. 
the problem is, is that they're not sniper rounds, oh, no, and no. they've never been. And unfortunately, this uh, when it goes precision rifle, and people think of military, you know, sniper type applications and stuff. And you know, once you get away from the thirty cows, there just isn't anything else out there being used. Right. The six and the six fives don't have quite what the three hundred eight has when you're talking police or military applications. Now, the six five Creedmoor is flatter shooting than the 308. It hits harder than the 308. Um, I believe the military is looking at going to the 260 Remington, as I've heard over the last year or so. Don't know if that's a fact or not. I don't have anything to prove that, but it's just, it's you know, it's talk. Um, but yeah, they don't have the, um, the sixes definitely don't have the energy that the six fives and 30 calibers have, but you know, we're shooting steel plates. So there's not, you don't have to worry about penetration. You just got to ding the piece of steel. Well, you know, Let's let's just switch from PRS just briefly and talk a little bit about um, sniper competitions because they're similar in some ways, but they're not. You were talking about the one in New Mexico where you've got three and a half miles of, of trekking to do during the match. Some of these are rucking your gear and traveling and setting up. Uh, PRS mostly isn't that, but... Um, do you shoot any of the sniper type competitions? Uh, I, I don't do the ones that are similar to PRS. Now I've shot Sniper Fest here in Phoenix, which is a military and law enforcement sniper competition. Um, the last three years, in the last two years, myself and my partner have won it. So it's kind of cool. It's it's really neat. Um, it, it's a totally different ball game between police sniper or military sniper competitions versus PRS type shooting. It's a totally different ball game. So when, when the military and police snipers go to a PRS match without really knowing what it's about, they kind of get um, humbled a bit. Well, somebody made the comment to me that the, the real sniper competitions are all being won by active duty young guys in their early to mid-20s because it's such a physical thing. And I think that if you want to do a physical thing, you can do an, like biathlon, you could ski and shoot. I right. mean, that's definitely physical. But um, I think most of the people who get into shooting sports is because they like the shooting aspect. Right, definitely. And, you know, the, the military guys like at the Fort Benning or the, the World Sniper Championships, which are basically all military or police, it, it is very physical. Well, Tim, I really appreciate you being on the show. Always uh, glad to have you here. As a matter of fact, maybe we'll we'll start uh, a regular uh, segment of the show where you come in and share what's going on and what's new in PRS and kind of keep us up to date on that. We might do that once a month or so. If uh, if you can find the time to, to get in here, I'd really love to have you do that. Sure, that'd be great. I'd love to. Okay, great. Well, thanks for being here. I want to Remind all of our listeners that we're going to take a short break and we'll be back right after this. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. For over 40 years, Macmillan USA has been at the leading edge of the gun stock industry. The company was born out of the desire to improve and perfect form, function, and precision with every one of their premium fiberglass stocks. From tactical to hunting to competitive shooting, 
Macmillan stocks are designed to dominate. Their signature three-way adjustable butt plates, adjustable cheek pieces, rail mounts, and adapters provide a versatile platform built on performance. Over 65 custom finishes are available, ranging from solid colors to camouflage. Check out the Macmillan website for hundreds of stocks available for immediate delivery. And for those wanting something more specialized, call the knowledgeable and friendly staff at Macmillan for a complete list of options at 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. Again, that's 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Now back to the show. This is Zev the Wolf Nadleron. Um, I howled and played some blues, and as a result, I, uh, I got back on the radio. But the reason I'm... <laughs> I'm on right now because uh, we're going to introduce Target Vision. Uh, we have a couple folks on the line. Uh, Target Vision is one of our uh, vendors on ELRHQ, but they're very well known in all the shooting disciplines in the communities. Um, they are going to be, and I just said um, and I was just talking with uh, Tim Milkovic because he's one of our best guests and he didn't um once and we talked about how you actually learn that in the military because somebody sits there and clicks each time you say um. So that's something I gotta learn not to do. But anyways, uh, the folks at Target Vision are gonna be out at Pahrump, uh, which is two days before SHOT Show. It's going to be some long range record setting in the ELR Central uh, uh, domain where the rules have been set and regulations to help folks understand what it really means to get a record in long range. So we have the Target Vision folks on the line. Uh, who do we have first? Do we have both of you there? Hi, Clay. Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm good. Well, How are you all? Awesome. Well, why don't we start off with uh, Clay talking a little bit about how he got into this business, uh, how the firearms portion led to Target Vision, and then we can uh, talk a bit more, and Cal- Kelly will take over because he's a much better speaker than I. Thanks for letting me out of the doghouse. Go, guys. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I had uh, came up with the idea for Target Vision after I had finished building my first rifle. Um, I had just graduated college and gotten a job, and one of the first things I got was working on a new AR. Uh, took it out to the range and quickly learned that you need some sort of a scope to see your shots when they hit the paper. Um, I didn't really grow up with rifles, but I knew it was, you know, shooting and hunting was something I wanted to get into. So once I graduated, I jumped into it. And so I learned that you need a spotting scope or binoculars to see your shots, especially at longer distances. And like I said, didn't have any of that the first time I went out. But I did have a background with wireless camera systems uh we had worked with 
making CCTV camera systems for large industrial properties and had found a way to wirelessly connect cameras over long distances and decided to adapt that technology and kind of make it portable to take it out to the range and see if it would let us see our shots. And it, it did. It worked great. And we, you know, we started out at 100 yards, 300 yards, and then we decided to see how far it could go. And to our surprise, it worked out to a mile, the first system that we built. So we took it to a NRA show and got some feedback and then learned there's a whole bunch of people who shoot long distance and that this is a big challenge for them being able to see their shots, especially with Mirage and other environmental factors that come into play. So we quickly had to jump into learning what long-range shooting was about, all the lingo, and really what the different use cases were for the product. And it's just continued to expand, and we keep finding more ways to use it um, as we continue the company. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Clay. I'd like to hear a little from Eric now. Uh, kind of the same thing. Just let us know how you got involved in this and, and a little foundation so we can understand how this company was developed. Oh, great. Well, thanks for having us on first off, Kelly, Zev. And I do need to apologize. I'm getting over the crud. So probably not the best time when you're on a radio show to be stopped up and sniffling. And I'm doing my best. But, yeah. I first discovered Target Vision at my previous employer. I worked in sports nutrition, consumer packaged goods. And through them, I got associated with startup incubation. And Target Vision actually kind of came through that first class of uh, the startup incubation route. Being one of the resident hunters and shooters, they kind of ran it by me, and I was like, this is awesome. I think you guys should definitely use, uh, bring them into the class. And that was when I first met them. Um, a couple of years later, I, I left that gig and I started a brief consulting business where I started working with Target Vision. And I love the guys. The technology is fantastic. I grew up hunting and shooting. My father's a metallurgist and a gunsmith, so... Uh, I'm no stranger to the industry, industry, um, but I am a little bit of a stranger to the long range and, and ELR games. And uh, last, this past August, when they offered me a full-time role, I said, it's a perfect fit. You know, it's, it's an industry I'm passionate about. It's something that I'm going to be doing the rest of my life as far as shooting goes. So it all made sense. It all aligned. And if you're doing something you're passionate about, you don't work a day in your life. So that's kind of the 30-second pitch as to how I became associated with these guys. You know, I agree with you. Uh, we've all heard the story about, you know, not having to work if you love what you're doing. Uh, I definitely love what I'm doing, but I'm not necessarily sure that um, I've always loved what I was doing. I love owning the business. I love being associated with the product. Uh, I like hearing that the customers are happy with my product and love it and it, it helps them to be better shooters and so there's a lot of it I do like there's not a lot of it that I don't like but your company is a tech company and because you're you're talking about startups our startup was on our, our kitchen table 
in the dining room making the first stock we ever made. That was our startup. And we didn't raise any money. We just tried to save every penny we made as we were trying to, uh, had to buy another uh, set of aluminum shoes so we could make another mold, but we had to save the 200 bucks for the aluminum. So um, different. Tell us what it is about the environment today that changes how business is done. Oh, well, in my opinion, uh, well, I'll let Clay tackle. Go ahead, Eric. Um, Te- technology. So I technology think- is the is the end of it. Uh, it's we're a tech based company. Technology is impacting every business across the board, regardless of industry, and that's just compounded when your product is technology based as well. And you see it with the rifles that we shoot. Um, Machining is becoming more and more precision as a result of technology. Data analysis is becoming more and more in-depth as a result of technology. And I think my opinion of how technology affects businesses in general is that data analysis. You just have so much data and so much feedback from your customers that you could almost find yourself in paralysis by analysis. But being able to take that data, extrapolate it, and apply it to new innovative solutions is, is my short answer. Uh, Clay may have a different opinion, though. Yeah, I'll just add, uh, you know, we are a hardware and software company, so we're, I'd say we're a little unique in that manner, especially in the shooting space. Um, but the software piece is really, I think, what changes it from the type of business that y'all are running um, because, you know, you get an order, you process the order, things kind of move at a a little bit different pace and the scaling process of the business is different. But on our side, we, we've got to invest so heavy into the software development uh, that it, and, and the, our software right now, it's included with the hardware. So there's no revenue being directly generated by the software. So overcoming that hurdle of, software development, feature development, and then at the same time growing the hardware side and scaling manufacturing is really, I think, what the difference is today. And and as things become more tech-based and products that are more tech and electronics-based, I think all companies like that are going to face struggles in those areas, and, and it's difficult to to grow and, and really start up because there's some big barriers to entry there. You know, the firearms industry is made up of a bunch of small, what I call mom and pop shops. You, a lot of people might refer to them as garage shops where an indiv- individual can develop a product, have a good product, manufacture it and sell it. But that might be the only uh, product he has So there are a lot of different people that are involved in the firearms industry that in some other industries you wouldn't see. They would be snatched up so fast, uh, you know, their consolidation and all that's going on throughout business. I don't know how big a company um, your company is. How many employees do you have? We've got four employees right now. So I'm assuming that you probably are are using the employees to do the hardware part of it and the software uh, you 
um, use consultants. Right. So now yeah. that means that you only pay for what you have to get, what you're looking for and what you get. Still expensive. It's a tech world. It's not cheap to hire guys to write programs and stuff. I understand, but you're in a unique situation where you need to try to develop a high tech product for a low tech industry and sell it at a price where people will pay for it. Exactly. How do you do that? And that it's been a bit of a struggle. Um, we, one of the things that we've always focused on is creating a product that's easy to use. Um, we know that this is a lower tech industry um, that people aren't taking or weren't taking iPads and tablets and phones out to the range with them every time they shoot. And, and we had to overcome that hurdle as well, introducing tech to the range in a way. Um, and then the price point, when we launched, our product was $1,300. Uh, today, it's half that. It's 650 So we have really fought hard to reduce our cost, uh, improve our manufacturing process, and source different vendors that allow us to bring that cost down. And we, we continue to do that every day. And Clay, you guys have done a really good job in disseminating your product. Um, I was out at the King of Two Mile and saw it there. And now we have it coming out to the uh, uh, ELR competition uh, in Pahrump. How did you originally create those connections and get your product out there? So in that in that scene, I think Paul Phillips has been a huge, huge help to us. Uh, we connected with him maybe two or three years ago at SHOT Show, and he's had some special requests here and there, and we've, we've helped develop a he was the first one to ask for an external antenna, so we got him set up with one of those. Uh, I think he was one of the first ones to get our two-mile extreme long-range unit, and he's just been, it's just performed for him when he needed it to, and he's been very happy with the product, and he's told, I think, just about everyone he knows about it. So huge shout-out to him. He has been instrumental in helping us break into that space. Understanding that Paul is a regular listener to this show, he's, I, I know he's got a smile from ear to ear because he, he likes nothing more than having good products and helping those people that are developing those good products to get exposure because of it. He's, he's kind of like I am. You know, if you have something that's good, I want everybody to know about it because it helps the industry, it helps the shooters, it helps individuals, and it helps you guys to... to come up with a business model that's actually going to be profitable. Right. Yeah, Paul is one of the best guys in the in the long range stuff. I, you know, my father built him a rifle back in the 90s and and he's kind of been a, a family uh, friend for a long time. Um, my hat goes off to all of the hard work that he he puts into long range matches and F class and and all the stuff that he does that goes unsung. And you know, Kelly, you just mentioned that uh, he's a regular listener. Uh, we're actually uh, texting each other on Facebook Messenger, and he, he, he corrected me on something. He said, Zev, King of Two Mile used another camera, uh, which they're no longer using because it didn't work as well, and that's why he switched 
to target vision camera. So I'll tell you, Paul is one of the hardest working guys in this business, and uh, he's such a strategic connector. He really knows the right people, and he's doing great things for us. So thank you, Paul. I know you're listening. We appreciate you. Okay, back to Eric. Um, so you were starting to talk about how you're, you've lowered the prices, you're starting to get a better product in a, in a price range that will work. Um, how are you going to market this? I know that's one of the most difficult things. You can have a great product, but if you can't get it in the hands of the right people, it, it's difficult to make money. Agreed. Agreed. You know, marketing is, there's the constant battle between sales guys and marketing guys, right? Is marketing a support for sales or is sales a support for marketing? Being a sales guy, I think that marketing is a support for sales and that especially in this industry, it's hard to beat the network marketing, good old-fashioned ways of drumming up business. Presence-based sales, presence-based marketing at King of the Two Mile, at the NRA shoots, at the PRS shoots, at the NAL, RSA shoots, any shoot that we can get into We'd like to be there because that's one of the difficult things with marketing the product is you can look at a picture of it online and think, oh, that's a cool concept, but I don't really know if it's worth it. However, you're, if you're at a match and you see somebody using it and you see how beneficial it can be, you know, the third time you're walking down to pull your targets and that one guy's still sitting there, he already has all the data he needs. So the first step towards marketing is getting out to these shoots getting out to these shows, right? Safari Club International and Dallas Safari Club and so forth. Secondly comes kind of our online presence, which is something that we're really trying to ramp up now. Um, And then, of course, anything outside of the box, things that we haven't necessarily thought of, your radio show point in case. You know, Zev mentioned this to us earlier in the week, and we were like, oh, that's a fantastic idea. It's something we had never really thought of, but it makes all the sense in the world. Um, So those are kind of the three short-term marketing approaches that we're taking right now. But I'll be honest with you, we're good with that because the exposure, thanks to Paul Phillips and some of these other matches and thanks to the, the contacts we make at SHOT Show and so forth, we really are staying pretty busy. You know, there's been a huge, huge demand for our products this last six months. It's actually kind of blown our forecasts, um, which is a great problem to have. Um, Excuse me, uh, but at the, at the point at where we stand right now is just kind of that uh, the grassroots approach still with a little bit of online presence marketing. Okay, so now that we're going to market direct and uh, word of mouth a lot, who would you say is the primary customer? At what range are they going to use Target Vision so that they can see their bullet holes without having to run back and forth? Give us an idea of where you think that sweet spot's going to be, because not everybody shoots extreme long range. So the two-mile version, that, that in itself is a different product. But I'm talking about your $600 one that people are going to buy specifically for their own use uh, when they go out to shoot. Right. And, you know, the LR2 is our best-performing model. It's good to a mile, but you can use it at just about any distance. And what we typically see, especially this time of year, is a lot of Christmas presents. So uh, the guy getting this, or or the girl getting this, on Christmas Day might not even know that they need it. 
But this is a product that when, it, when you're sighting in your rifle for deer season, or maybe you're out there with your family and you're sighting in a couple of your young boy or young daughter's rifles as well, and you have two or three rifles to sight in, this is a product that can just make that time at the range so much more efficient. So while there is a huge need for it in the competition space, your everyday shooter stands to benefit from it because everybody knows everybody's time is valuable. And the more efficient we can make range time for our shooters, whether they're dialing in a muzzle loader for early or late muzzle loading season, or they're just doing some target shooting, it doesn't really matter. There's, a, there's an application across the board. But general what we, generally what we see is the sportsman. Your avid hunter, outdoorsman, is, uh, or woman, is, is the customer that we see purchasing the LR2. That's exactly what I was getting at, and I'm glad you brought it up. You know, really, this is for the guy who wants to spend his time at the range perfecting his craft, and it doesn't matter whether he doesn't shoot out to 800 yards, but I will tell you, shooting in Arizona at 200 yards, any time from, let's just say, the end of March till the 1st of October— you cannot see the target at 200 yards through uh, uh, any scope, say more than six power. And if you've only got six power, you don't, you're not seeing as much as you want. So that right there tells you, man, if I had target vision, I wouldn't have to fight the, the mirage to see the target. I could see where my bullet holes are and I don't have to worry about that. It, it's a perfect example of how just the regular shooter, um, sportsman, enthusiast can use that product and really justify it yeah and and a lot of a lot of our sportsmen's out there aren't fortunate enough to have their own land where they can walk out to their back porch and dial in their rifle they have to go pay for range time which costs money right and if they don't have a spotting scope or even if they do have a spotting scope let's say they borrow one of the rentals from the range well, now they're toggling between their rifle and their spotting scope, and they're paying an hourly rate, and it just takes them that much more time to get it dialed in. And again, time is money. So if we can improve the efficiency of that process, we can save them money in the long run as well. I just wanted to let everybody know, if you're short of a Christmas present, and this sounds like the perfect gift, ELRHQ.com has five of them in stock. I can't guarantee it will get it to you by Christmas, but I, I guarantee you'll get it out by the, you know, the end of next week. So if you want to put a gift card in and say it's on its way, we'll be happy to sell you one. Definitely. And we also are going to have uh, the products out at the world record meet in, in Pahrump and our Easy Up, along with many of our other products that we're going to be carrying. Um, and I just wanted to, I know we have to end soon, but the uh, technical point of how the product works how the shooters is, you know, at the bench or laying down on the prone, having their iPad. Uh, I think you also work with Android devices. Is that correct? Correct. And you're able to actually touch your iPad uh, at each shot uh, that shows up on your target so that you can put them in the order you want. And you can also text or email that to your team. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, you, you can, can number your shots, color photos. code your shots, all that. Okay. Thank you. And Clay? Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add about the technical uh, capabilities? 
Uh, I would just add that they are always expanding. Um, we are, I think we're just touching the very cusp of what's possible uh, with this technology. And there's a lot of opportunity to really change the shooting experience going forward, making it more interactive, more responsive, and uh, more automated, collecting data automatically. One of our goals is to eventually um, remove the need for a logbook and have that built in to the system with the software and, and pull all of that together uh, to save your loads and your results and images and everything in one place. You know, it's it's funny, Clay. I listened to your talk, and you're you're definitely a tech head, and and you think from terms of how can I get technology to make this sport better. I'm an old guy. I I look at what can technology do that I can't do or that would make it easier so I could shoot more. Uh, we look at it from different points of view, but it all ends up being the same thing. We get to spend more time at the range shooting, doing the things that we want. We get better results from what we're doing because we have better data uh, gathering and we understand what that data means a lot better than we did before. Exactly. Um, you know, that's one of the things. Does it have uh, range capability? Uh, today it does not. Okay. So it at some point our- you'll put your camera out there and it will tell you exactly what the distance between the camera and, and the receiver is? Yes. Okay. Well, that would be something that would be really nice uh, if you're not on a flat range and in a situation where you, oh, I, I can shoot at this rock out there. I just don't know how far it is. Put your target vision out there and, and actually work as a range finder in itself. Hey, guys, I really am glad you were on the show. I'm really happy to have uh, target vision as a uh, product on ELRHQ.com. Thanks for coming on and sharing with us and uh, look forward to a, a long and prosperous business between us. Great. Thank uh, you thanks so for much having for the us. opportunity and time. Okay. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. I want to thank all of our listeners. I want to thank all of our listeners. Uh, it's been such a great year. Uh, it, as I said earlier, it's Christmas time. I know uh, Cooper's been sitting here for this whole time and hasn't said anything, but I'd like her to wish everybody a Merry Christmas for us. Hey, guys. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We'll see you all next week on voiceamerica.com, Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Merry Christmas. Thank you for tuning in to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Be sure to come back for more next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The weekend is here. Enjoy yourself. We'll talk again next week.